When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com with Pete Sampson and Tim O'Malley. I'm Tim Priester. It's Monday, April 9th, and we had an opportunity to see the ninth practice of the spring on Saturday. We also discussed the news of Jay Hayes, Notre Dame's veteran defensive end, leaving the program, uh, which elevates Khalid Kareem to a starting spot, but really leaves Notre Dame a bit shorthanded, certainly experience and, and proven ability at that position. But guys, what uh, from Saturday's practice? I know we had a, a, an opportunity to watch the whole thing. And Pete, I want to ask you. I want you to get more into the quarterbacks because I was watching more the the back end of the throws than I was uh, the actual quarterback play. Yeah, I mean, overall the quarterback position, I felt like Brandon Wimbush is a clear number one. I think just the way that he's behaved, the way that he reps who he's working with, the way the coaches talk about him, um, both publicly and sort of on background. There's there's nothing about this spring that makes me think there's a quarterback competition at all. Uh, and I think that Ryan Kelly's sort of been like smartly cagey about it when we ask him because there's no upside in him just spilling it. But there's, I think Brandon Wimbush looks fine, but as I sort of, would say on every podcast and every practice report and every incident analysis, check back with me at about 11.30 p.m. on September 1st, and I'll tell you what kind of offseason Brandon Wimbush had because it it's a scenario where there's almost nothing he can do in spring or summer or fall camp that is going to make you 100% certain about what you're going to see against Michigan. So until that happens, I'll reserve judgment, but... Um, in terms of handicapping the position, I think it's it's Brandon Wimbush's job right now. I, I don't think Ian Book's starting against Michigan. It's Brandon Wimbush's job to lose has been my stance for about a month and a half now. And I don't think he'll lose it in August. He would, yeah, he would have to lose it in you know, where, well, I, I wouldn't think he would lose it any other game in between Michigan and Stanford. You would think Brandon Wimbush would probably fare I, well, well in I those mean, middle games. but the, the scenario that comes to mind immediately to me is South Florida. Oh, I, I just don't think it can go that badly. In terms of really, you know, you think there's going to be fumbled punts, fumbled runs backs for touchdowns, interceptions in the ends, like everything that was calamitous. Yeah, Notre Dame wouldn't even play football that way anymore. They had a they had a 99 yard return for a touchdown. They had Dane Christ throwing an interception in the end zone. They had theoretic fumbled two punts, and Tyler Eifert dropping passes. Yeah, like, <laughs> these I, aren't I, things that I agree happen. with all that. But I, it's like we were there at the Miami game fourth quarter at Stanford, uh, the the back and forth against LSU. I, I just, I don't think it's going to happen either. I just wouldn't necessarily be like, well, of course that would. I you're saying halftime. You're, I wouldn't you're, dismiss it. Your point was halftime. Yeah. Or game or mid-game or yeah, something Yeah, like or that. just like that game goes so poorly that they make a change. I thought, you know, the when we had an opportunity to talk to Tom Reese a couple of weeks ago, I thought it was really telling when I asked him, you know, what he needed to see for me in book, and he basically said he, he did. He said he has to be perfect. Accuracy can never be an issue with him. And that, I mean, that, that plays to, I think what you're saying, Pete, that 
you know, when you you talk to coaches, it's comments like that that tell you Brandon Wimbush is a starter, and you know, in order for Book to win it, he has to be perfect. But I don't even know that that really gets it done. Accuracy is his calling card because he's got the best throwing technique of all the quarterbacks, and so that's what it should be. But I will say this. Um, Going into a game now, because of what happened in the, the Citrus Bowl, and, you know, I don't know, to some extent what's happening this spring, I think Brian Kelly might be a little bit more inclined to pull the trigger if they're struggling going on with, with Brandon Wimbush. You know that you know that Ian Book can rally this team. He did it in a bowl game. So there might be an inclination to pull the trigger to do that. But, I, I you know, in general, Pete, I agree with what you're saying. It's Brandon Wimbush's job. And... This is what we said going in the spring. There's, how can he lose the job in the spring? Right. I mean, I think that we, I don't know if all three of us, but I know Amelie and I felt like Book would be the guy coming out of the bowl game. I think we talked about that on a podcast, and maybe that was just a bit of a recency issue for the two of us. Because, like, again, you go back, just the way practices are structured, there's nothing that would make you think that there's yeah. a quarterback up. Well, I felt I the same way coming out of the bowl game, but we yeah. were all influenced by what had just happened at that moment. And you, you know, you get caught up into the emotions of that. It was a huge win for Notre Dame, and you're sitting there and you're part of the emotions that are that are racing around in, in you know in the uh, uh, interview room after the game. But time goes by, everything settles down uh, when you finally get back to the practice situation. Brandon Wimbush was the starting quarterback for. 11 games, 12, all but one game, 12 games, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, because he missed because of injury. Right, too, the injury in North Carolina. But, uh, you know, I mean, every once everything settles down and you remove some of the emotion from the, the situation, he's still the starting quarterback. I've kind of been on, actually, just to speak to it, I, I thought Wimbush would be the starter this year. Um, but I might be wrong in my reasoning that I was kind of arguing he's going to be a 58% passer this year because naturally mm-hmm. you have to be as you grow as in the position. That's a big jump from. It last is a big year, jump. It is just hitting horizontal passes, though, right? It really is. Hey, don't mean, you it, think it is? That's just hit the easy pass instead of miss. You can't miss half of your easy passes. You have to hit eight of your ten easy passes. I, it's that's like the point of the pass. And it's this is something that you, it's an extension you, of the run, Pete. <laughs> no, it's not. not. <laughs> no, it's not. Definitely not. Um, no one's ever like fumbled that many handoffs. <laughs> that's what I'm saying so you would stop running it. <laughs> but I watching Wimbush in practice. Again, does it mean this is going to apply against Michigan? I have no idea at all. But I don't see um, passes flying high on intermediate routes, routes with like the regularity that I did last year. I don't see uh, passes, short swing passes, hitting receivers in the feet. And at least on Saturday, there was a really nice deep, a couple nice deep balls to Miles Boykin where he put air under it where the receiver was able to run into it. And then there was another one which was like a jump ball where he let up let Miles Boykin go up and make a play. I'm not sure how often that happened last year. The issue with one of those, and Brian Kelly actually referenced it, but I accidentally saw it because I had binoculars when they were 100 yards away. He threw a touchdown to Boykin. 40. Yeah, 140 yards away. We keep, that loft of center keeps growing. Yeah. But he threw a touchdown to Boykin, and Boykin made a nice catch. And nobody at any point on the play covered Cole Komet down the seam. And it was oh, I didn't see that. clearly a bad... Re- I was just looking like, wow, that's... Impossible to miss a guy that big running down the seam, and Komet was just kind of running with his hands like, "Hello, I'm six six and fast." And uh, yeah, but Boykin made a touchdown catch, so good thing for Miles Boykin. Maybe not what you're looking for against Michigan because he might not make that catch. But this is what I would say from Brandon Wimbush that I liked early in practice. 
it was a boundary throw, so that short little bubble that he always missed last year, or missed inopportune times last year, I shouldn't say always missed, missed it inopportune times last year, he had to change his arm angle and threw it side or threw it side arm. Oh yeah, it was to his right. And it was perfect. To and I, and I thought, right? that's impossible yeah. last year. That yeah. not, So that was good. Um, and the interception touchdown, people are going to love this. The interception touchdown he threw really wasn't his fault. But it was just not a, at all. No, it was high. And it was tipped for a touchdown. But but it wasn't it wasn't Equiminius St. No. Brown against Navy high. It was high catch It was catch just like pass, the ball please. is yeah. like at my head. I should catch it. Yeah. Well, first of all, that, that pass that you're referring to, that's one of the ugliest throwing motions I've ever See now, maybe they have. Maybe that's what he has to do to compensate to, to make the to that make that throw pass. But man, that's ugly. It's the other thing, a sidewinder. Yeah, yeah. The, the other thing is, Pete, you said that you never saw Brandon Wimbush make those throws last year. Do you mean in August or during the season? Season. season. So it's like apples to oranges. Yeah. Right, because what we're watching practice now, and when mm-hmm. we watched practice in August, he was accurate. Was he not? Yeah. He was accurate. There, there was nothing that we saw in three open practices in August that said, wow, he might struggle with his accuracy. So, you know, I don't, you know, I, it, it, nobody wants to say it's in his head, but it's, because in his head. That, but it's in his head. It was in games last year. And we're not going to know until we get right. in games again. It's promising to see him making the throws that he didn't make in games in practice this spring but I don't think that it proves anything because of the way he missed passes last season, which were in his head. It's, I think it's one of those things where it's better than the alternative because if he continued to miss those throws <laughs> in practice, that would prove something. Yeah. I think if he had the yips in practice rather yeah. than in Miami, it would be a problem. Yeah, so it's you know it's the absence of the negative, which is different than confirming a positive. I think that Brandon Wimbush will start against Michigan, and we should all bet the under no matter what it is in the game. That's fair. Twenty-eight and a half. I'll under. take the under. Whatever the listed line is, take the under for that game, and then he can. Grow it's going from there. to be low. It won't be yes. twenty-eight and a half. No, It'll no, be low, but he uh, can grow from that game forward. Yeah, and all he has to do is hit fifty-eight percent of his passes, and he's all set. Uh, and run for thirty off, touchdowns. Uh, <laughs> offensive line. I'm just going to throw this out just to see if I end up being correct. But the configuration that we saw this past week of Eichenberg at left tackle. Kramer at left guard, Mustafer at center, Bars at right guard, and Hainsey at right tackle. I, although I don't understand why Hainsey isn't at left tackle, I predict that's going to ultimately be the starting offensive line. I agree with you, but we also uh, came into the spring saying that, and we, so we might have confirmation bias of hoping that will be their offensive line. But that no, it's the first time we've seen Kramer move to left guard where we have been talking well, about we were saying he belongs there. <laughs> we were actually saying <laughs> it could be a no. And yeah, we sometimes you want to be right too. We didn't have Eichenberg in the starting. No, that's but the, I think the Kramer move to guard is just something that we oh, have wanted for so no long. Doubt. That we're just like, yeah, this is the right lineup. You guys <laughs> freaking willed that. We to did. Happen. I'm <laughs> telling you, man. We willed it with Alex Bars. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we did. I mean, it's like if Brian Kelly had talked about Tommy Carroll, who was like, well, I listen to your podcast. I'm like, you guys would shut up about it. There, there are very distinct characteristics of offensive linemen that, that tell you that. And that's all, that's all I, that was. I found myself talking to Kramer on Saturday. So how's guard, huh? And you, <laughs> you gave him a high five. <laughs> <laughs> it's the right spot for you, man. <laughs> but man, you got, you got to like guard. It sure fits your skills yeah, better. Yeah, a lot easier to fall down trying to pass protect, isn't it? Oh, I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> what do you, I don't know. What do you think? Pete you know, Ruland, for how do you feel about it? Ruland is, Ruland is hurt. And I, and I still wouldn't rule out the possibility of thinking that Hainsey's your best left tackle as a, you know, a pass rush. In pass pro. It's a good question to ask Quinn 
when we get him, if we, we get him. Should be, no, we that should, should be, be Thursday, right? Because yeah. maybe he could explain what the left tackle, right tackle thing means now as opposed to what we've grown with him. I'll get that with him. Yeah. Look, I, I sort of watched the line on Saturday and thought, this is going to be a really good group. <laughs> I don't, I don't yeah. really care who's out there and, and, and how they're arranged, but if the five guys you're throwing out there are Eichenberg, Kramer, Mustafer, Bars, and Hainsey, okay, that means you have five guys who are pro- probably have NFL potential when their yeah. career's over here. Now, if you swapped in Lug for one of them, I would feel the same way. Ruland is, I think Ruland is your ideal Mark Harrell yes. six man. And, Only with better ability than Harrell. Yeah, and then probably will be your starting center as a fifth year next year. I, I think I would have, I you know, Eichenberg to me is still the question because he had an opportunity to win the job last year and didn't. And I realize he's a year older now and that that's helpful. The fact that, you know, Kramer and Bars are a guard. We think those are their two best guards. Certainly Mustafer looks fantastic and I think is prime for a great 2018. Um, Eichenberg's the only one that I just have questions, especially on the yeah, left sure. side. Yeah, sure. No, I mean, he's, he hasn't really played right. at all. Am, right. But you know, as we were talking pre <laughs> podcast, as we'll get into the defensive end situation here in a second, for power positions, their third year is what the second year is for a skill position. Um, that's, that's when you yeah. usually make a move. Right. If you're a special talent, maybe that happens faster as it has. For some guys, but it's it, like Chris Watt didn't really play at all until his junior year. We've always made the mistake of, you know, when a couple guys graduate, we say, oh, well, then next year's, you know, they'll be fine on the offensive line. We're not doing that this year. Well, the guys just are because, so good. Yeah, because yeah. Nelson McGlinchey were, were were that good. But, there, you know, there'll be some growing pains. And um, we can get, we'll get to the defensive end position in a minute. But I just want to say, you know, Cole Komet... Um, he was very active. He caught a couple passes in the practice on Saturday, and then two hours later he threw a two and one-third innings save for the baseball team. And I actually got to see him hit uh, yesterday, uh, Sunday. Uh, I don't I don't think he necessarily has a future as a hitter, but that's how it, that's – I mean, whatever they, whatever you ask this kid to do, whether it's on the football field or the baseball diamond, they throw him in there. Apparently he had a great batting practice the other day, and they're like, okay – we're losing. We're going to give him a pinch hit opportunity. Surprised Jeff Jackson didn't get him into the <laughs> national championship. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, he's just he's he's really special. He's a real special football player, real special athlete. Two tight ends. I'm pandering to the message board. Two tight end sets. Guys. Do it. Yep. Um, the defensive end spot uh, with Jay Hayes gone. I you know this was something that I you'd heard a little bit. of of whispers about this in the off season and it seemed like that had died down. Um, and I think Notre Dame felt that like, okay, they had any drama with Hayes potentially leaving had come and gone. And then it flared up in a big way. And he decides to, to walk away from the Notre Dame football program. You know, the reasons aside, which are, I think all off the field for, for Hayes, basically I'm, I am very interested to see how Kareem moves up the ladder there. Um, but I think that the real question mark for me is not, it's not Kareem replacing Hayes. It's Ogundeji replacing Kareem as the number two. Yeah. No, I agree with that. And that's why, um, you know, I, I wasn't trying to be negative in assessing the defense the other day, but I mean, you just lost a fifth year senior who is not a playmaker. We've said that many times, which is why he was losing reps to Kareem late in the season. But it's a fifth-year senior. It's a big, strong dude, and you don't. He's a barrier. He's an obstacle there on, on the strong side. And so now everybody has to move up. 
we all expect Dalen Hayes to be a much better football player this year than last year, but he hasn't done that yet. Um, you know, we don't know why Julian Okwara is way lighter than he used to be. Jameer Jones is on the other side with Ogundeji and, and Kareem, which I think is a good, that's a good fit for him. That's a good position for him. But, you know, I mean, we still don't, we still don't know. There's still no proven pass rushers for Notre Dame on a consistent basis. I mean, this is to put numbers on it. Jay Hayes played 449 snaps last year and Kareem played 300. Can Kareem jump for a 300 to 449? Absolutely. He yes. probably jumped to 550. Right. Ogadeja played 32 snaps. Can he jump from 32 to 200? I have no idea. Yeah, he looks good. I mean, there's no doubt that he he looks the part this spring, but we, we don't, you know, we, we don't know. We got to see him make plays in real competition. Unless you're a great player. If this was a senior year or junior year, Stefan Tuit ascending because of Jay Hayes leaving, no big deal. But you know what? Clid Kareem, 450 snaps. Jay Hayes, 300 snaps. And Ogan Deji, 100 snaps would have been great. Yeah, been a great way to do it as opposed to what it is. No, I think that was one of the high points of the defense last year is how healthy and deep the defensive line proved to be where you're getting eight and a half guys to not just take snaps but contribute. And so to lose one of those guys uh, on top of Andrew Tremetti, who was like a 450-snap player, that, that's 900 snaps basically from one position. Yeah. yeah. So Do We really, us and the rest of the press corps have to fight to pronounced Khalid Kareem's name correctly. Khalid, it's yeah. just it, it rolls off your tongue a little bit easier saying Khalid Kareem. Uh, but that's not correct. And he validated that the other day. So we'll, we'll <laughs> But we have it. not called him Kareem Khalid, so we're we're ahead of one guy. Who said that? His coach. It's somebody that constantly mixes up names. <laughs> yeah. It happens. It does happen. He's I mean, I was thinking about that the other day. He's coached a thousand players. You're gonna mix them up. Well it's true. And, and I've <laughs> yes. covered a thousand yeah. players, so, so that the same thing happens. Yeah, you've covered more way more than that. <laughs> uh, let's wrap up on the practice facility. This is something I think we talked about on our podcast a year and a half ago, maybe. Um you know, that was that was something that we had info on before anyone else, I believe, but they put out the final release or the official release on yeah. Friday, and there wasn't a whole lot to it, um, which makes me think that hopefully there will be more to it down the road because it it was not a it was not a release where you're like, wow, that's going to be spectacular. I'm sorry, I didn't see it. Did they have a finish date listed on that? No, I mean what I was told was that they were going to start construction for real, real like on the, the field itself in November. Like, the season will end, or oh. or when they go inside in November, probably, then they'll really start tearing it up. It, there's there's quite a bit of construction already, yeah. but, um, and then the finish date will be before the 2019 season. Oh, so, okay, well. sp- spring 2019 might be, that that's going to be inside, but they've been inside every practice. So that's the kind year. of facility that should come together pretty quickly. Yeah, because it's really just, it's not putting a dome on, right? But that it's a dome type structure. But it's, I, yeah. I think it will just be like a right. large rectangle that they have to build. Yeah. Um, you know, Brian Kelly, I think, used the term lab, and that's, <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. But um, I mean, look, the the release used the word football four times and the word club sports five times. So it's it's really just like a second field, so everyone can use the first field that Notre Dame's football is currently on. You know what I'm going to bring up. 
Yeah, and and the, and the Shamrock the, Series. This, no, the, stru- <laughs> the structure around the stadium yeah. integrates yeah. academics with. I figure, I was surprised they didn't say that they're going to add a couple classrooms just to be safe. <laughs> the integration of academics. Into our Maybe that's a bright lab, but yeah, Ooh, a, li- a literal lab. Like, well, we got, yeah, we got a you know, guys in white coats and stuff. We yeah. we got. As soon as he said lab, I knew that we were going to have fun with that. <laughs> as soon as he said lab, I thought of the reaction we were going to have. How could they have ever won prior to having this I, lab? It's There's no way a football team can win without it. But um, yeah, I mean, they do need it, though. I mean, it's ridiculous they can't get their afternoon runs in because somebody yeah. else is using the locker that is the That's the one part where they're, they're forced to go at 6 in the morning. Right. That's, that's the one part that's where, a great it's, point by him. where it's extreme. Um, you know, and I realize that you know old former baseball players would be okay for them to do that at six o'clock in the morning, but not football <laughs> players. And I get that. I get that. You know, that's fine. And if it, you know, it'll be beneficial. Will it? Will it show up in more eleven and twelve win seasons? I don't know about that. No, it's. I think it's just it's good for all the programs, and it just. I, I think that when news like oh a new indoor facility, you're thinking like oh Clemson or Alabama or Ohio State, and it's like. It's just enclosing a field and having more natural light so you don't feel like you're in a warehouse. Plus, right. everyone else, you know, you don't need to do the 6 a.m. runs. But, you know, it's not it's not suddenly going to be a lakefront property like at Northwestern. Which is fine. Which is that would be really awkward if they which, built it on the lake. Yeah, that's true. But you've seen that structure. That's, that's pretty, pretty damn cool yeah. in Northwestern. Pretty, pretty nice. All right. Well, that's it for Segment 1 Irish Illustrated Insider. We'll be back with questions in Segment 2. Segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider. Questions from our readers. Burning up the boards. We start with a question from Stormy Irish. Directed right at Pete. Is this the year for Pete's favorite Chase Claypool to finally click? Um, I don't know. I I clearly have been a big Chase Claypool advocate over the years, plural. But um, maybe more I, so as a freshman, right? I When Brian Kelly gets up there and talks about process and traits, that is... I mean, you would think you'd be talking about Kevin Stefferson, frankly, because um, those are those are buzzwords for players that need to be more coachable and use their listening ears, as I would say in right. my house. That is, my a, that's the best way to um, put it. So I, I think the way I would describe Chase Claypool is if he can focus on being a college football player before he's an NFL football player, because he has the ability to do it, then he'll be fine. If he focuses on being an NFL player while he's still in college, he's going to have problems. This is the year it should click. Yes. He looks impressive in practice. He has great hands and body control. He's fast. He's big. He has quick feet. I mean... I what else do you want? I don't care if you trust well, the process or not. Throw yeah. the ball at him. <laughs> but no, obviously, but, I mean, there's, who, oh, there's issues. Yeah. Who had the, the, the single worst play on offense last Saturday was Chase Claypool yeah. with that drop, which was... It was not a perfect pass, but it was... That was either highly catchable. Well, then he bat, then it go then he bats it up or tips yes. it up in the air, and Troy Pride has an easy pick six. Yeah. But you know, I mean, there are two types of traits. Uh, I think when you were gone, Pete, Tim, and I talked about this because Kelly mentioned who was he talking oh, about? Oh, Cormo's traits. Cormo's traits. And people want to know is that right? Is that is that physical traits or is yeah. that you know the the positive mental attitude traits. Or, you know, traits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Chase Claypool physically has a tremendous amount of traits, which we've seen this spring. I mean, we, you know, you're, Pete was never, you, you were always right about him when he was a freshman. I Thank mean, you. you look at him and, I mean, physically he's tremendous. Now I think we're starting to, at least we have been privy to 
seeing him do it more in practice, at least this spring. And Brian Kelly had said a couple weeks ago that Miles Boykin was clearly ahead of everybody else on the receiving core in terms of, you know, forcing forcing people out of the box and giving him special attention. But to me, Chase Claypool is the guy that physically, you know, has the ability to really force defenses to to tune in on him. I like Miles Boykin a lot as a kid and as a right. senior. That's made up. That's just that's spring fodder for I want Chase Claypool to work harder. Yeah. There's not a, well, Miles Boykin is not clearly far and away the one guy they can throw the ball up to in a jump ball situation and trust him because Chase Claypool exists. Yeah, I mean, that when Brian Kelly said that a couple weeks ago, it was for the benefit of Chase Claypool, yes. not for the benefit of Miles Boykin. Who they have, who uh, I think Pete and I talked like. about this at practice. If you just said Miles Boykin is clearly one of starting guys next year, I totally agree with you. But he's not far and away the no. better than Claypool and, think, and Young. Right? And think if you... He'll start next year for sure. You, let's, let's Right, put that and if there. you can get the, you know, the mental attitude traits in line for Claypool and Mac. Yes. Oh, yeah. Now you have a chance to have a real special receiving car. Yeah, I mean, I think Claypool will be will be good this year. But to me, it's like people always ask about the offense. Like, if you can get Wimbush, Mac, and William, Dexter Williams, to be, like, locked in, that's going to be a really good offense. No doubt. From no 60 doubt. yards away at the practice in the scrimmage, Chip Long, whose voice carries. Yep. Reprimanded Miles Boykin for always being so soft and yeah. he's sick of it when he was running across yeah. the crowd. So I didn't think he. I didn't think he was that soft on that play. Neither did I. But it's good. Was, yeah, they coached him the like coverage that. was great, but that tells you about all the reps that we haven't been seeing in spring practice. And he's not a guy that's that big that should ever be soft. So that's probably why you get frustrated. Yeah. That body, and if he's had those strength gains that Chip Long talked mm-hmm. about, you don't want that to be soft. It's not like it's Fink. All right, from my. Uh, my pet project of Chase Claypool to uh, O'Malley's. What is the difference between spring 2017 Tony Jones Jr. and the spring 2018 version? Last year, he reportedly, I'll put parentheses, O'Malley said it, looked like a world beater, while this year he's being compared to early enrollee Jameer Smith. What's changed? Now, that's a bit of a stretch. (laughs) However, Tony Jones, I will say, in spring and August last year, Look better than he does this year in spring. But most of it is last year in spring when he would make it. He still makes the first guy miss. But it's he's not turning it into 12 more yards. He's turning it into two more yards, which is a good trait to have when you make a guy miss. Physical trait. I don't want to clarify that. But last year in the spring and in the, and in the summer, he was scoring game-winning touchdowns in scrimmages and breaking up 30-yard runs by making Niles Morgan whip in space after running through an arm tackle. Right now, he's just breaking a tackle in scrimmage and getting a couple yards. So it does look different. However, the coaches really like Tony Jones Jr. to back up my assertion from last year. <laughs> they, I think the key for Tony Jones Jr. is if he can run through injuries this year and not, of course, get... There's some in, we keep saying run through injuries. There's some injuries you can't run through as a running back, but you got to be able yeah. to run through the nagging stuff. Right? Yeah, well, a high ankle sprain, I don't know. No, that's you not can't go through that, can. but you can go through the other stuff. That, right. Um, I don't know that Tony Jones Jr. looks any different other than he had... He was put in some situations play-wise. Well, you say last spring. Last August, spring, yeah. right? And let let's you had a McGlinchey Nelson led offensive line. So now you're talking about a guy that's coming through, you know, a, a hole that's a little bit bigger, and he has a little bit more daylight, a little bit more space to do what he does. I don't. I mean, I don't think Tony Jones Jr. has taken a step back. We just haven't. 
I guess he's not the highlight of practice as he was a couple no, times. No, we just haven't seen him make a play. But I, you know, I don't think that he's done anything wrong, or he's not working as hard at it, or he's not in as good shape, or what have you. That's a good football player. He's going to be a good football player. And he was technically the first starter at the last practice, so let's throw that out there. Yeah, Dexter Williams looked a little hobbled. Maybe, I thought he looked a little slow to me. That I think he might be. I agree. I, I yeah, yeah, I agree. I didn't think that Dexter Williams looked. 100%. Yeah, but I mean, Dexter was still working on the special team stuff, so it's not like yeah, he, was, right. he was dying out there. But yeah, I, look, I think with Tony Jones, he's has the potential to be a good college running back, but I don't, he's not somebody that I think is ever going to have Josh Adams' like stampeding ability or Dexter Williams' speed agility. I just I think he's more like a, Dex, or, um, a Darius Walker type where good college player. That's, th- that's the ceiling on him. I think he's more like and we talk about all the thousands of names that I've had to learn in my life. The second running back for LSU that can you can you guys remember the two the number two running back behind Geis? From Who, the Citrus Bowl? From the Citrus Bowl, yeah. I can't remember his name right now. But that kid was watching a bunch of film leading up to that game. That kid was very impressive as a number two back, a bigger back that they did stuff with. I think Tony Jones can be that back. Well, yeah. I, 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 I would think so. Too. <laughs> every, Darius Walker, every, every team needs a number two back. I kind know. of like, I mean, Darius Walker, for all of we fans kind of looking at, well, he didn't, wasn't a breakaway back. He's a really good college player. 12 touchdowns, 1,000 yards, was, 5 yards a carry. I mean, that's, you'd take that. Right? Yeah, he's really, like, durable. That, made every, that's what I'm saying. The yeah. ceiling on Tony Jones is Darius Walker. Yeah, that's good. Good, good that's hands. Fine. Good does it. Yeah, I think that's a good. I, you're a little higher on the ceiling, is what you're saying. Nah, I mean, I don't. I don't mean the production. He's he's not going to have Darius Walker's year. He's not going to have yeah. Darius Walker's year. I mean, Darius, Wa- like Darius Walker outstanding. Had his, he had his physical limitations. I mean, he just yeah. he just did, but he was a very very productive running back. Uh, you can only hope that Tony Jones is that productive. Yeah, that's why I'm ceiling. Gotcha. That's that's, that's where I. Have I don't. Him. I don't think he'll reach that ceiling. No, I don't think he will. Productivity either. wise. No. All right, CMU Penns fans, who do you see the Irish using on kickoff returns this year with CJ Sanders gone? Fortunately, we asked this of Brian Polian when we talked to Brian Polian. <laughs> and uh, it looks like Fink is going to be the punt returner because Brian Polian said, I like Chris Fink as my punt returner, which makes me believe there's not a whole lot of competition there <laughs> when that's offered in mid-March <laughs> after he's the incumbent. So I believe it's between, you're going to look at Michael Young and Jafar Armstrong, he mentioned, and he already opened up. He even said names. He didn't just use freshmen coming in. He said Lindsey, Wilkins, and Bracey will get looks. And he mentioned that, this might be a hint, I think a freshman can win a kick return role where I don't want that at punt He return. didn't mention keys? He did not, but he wasn't probably being exhaustive right. in his. But Jafar Armstrong could get a look, and Michael Young certainly will get a look, because Young could have won it last. But Young should have won it last year over C.J. Sanders. You know, think about, you know, I know Fink wasn't impressive as a punt returner last year, and we all know that that had, that had more to do with Notre Dame's inability to block it. Yeah, and you know what? Fink, well, think about what we see from Fink in that in the drill right. that we rave about all the time. He is incredibly elusive, but he didn't he didn't have a ton of room to maneuver. Last no, year. he wasn't. This is kind of telling. These are the long returns by Notre Dame's punt returner, and it was almost always Fink. Zero because he didn't have an option. He never had one. One yard, four yards, zero yards, and zero yards. Well, in the opportunities he had there. There were two that weren't fair catches. Then he had, these are his, this is going on starting in North Carolina. He had a 23-yard return, an 18-yard return against USC, 15-yard return against NC State, 12 against Wake and his only chance, 41 against Stanford. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's pretty good. In the other three start. games, he had 0-0-0 because he was, had to fair catch them mm-hmm. or 
Well, I guess he was frustrated because he sometimes wasn't and fair he, catching and, them. And he catches it well. I mean, yeah. you can you can have a fair, pretty high degree <clears throat> of confidence he's going to catch the football to begin with. And he won't be the kick returner. He's a punt returner. It's, it's elusive and trying to get some yards. Yeah, it's a different yeah, different skill, skill set. set. So I I would like to see any like pretty much anybody you throw out on kickoff return, I'll be intrigued to see because I I think that C.J. Sanders was sort of where Armando Allen was at the end of his career, where just like he. You could arm tackle him with one arm and three fingers, like the he, kickers. He just went down too yeah, easily. Yeah. Um, you needed somebody to be more fearless as your kickoff returner than what CJ Sanders was offering. Tim called that in the Temple game on the one. Well, I don't know if it was the first or second return of the year. What's that? He had the kicker from 2015. He had the kicker. <laughs> no, no, so he, had, he had the kicker and ten yards, and the kicker touched his shoulder and he went down. You just thought this is ridiculous. What are you doing? That's not how you return a kick as a yeah. third year guy, and I, it went downhill. I'm, I'm really of of all those guys that you mentioned. I mean, I, I don't know that Keys is going to be my Claypool or Tony Jones Jr., but I think Keys is being <laughs> overlooked anyway. Um, I want to see Lenz. It's a good thing for Lawrence Keyes. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah. yeah, by his junior year. Yeah. No, I, no, I hope it happens earlier. But Lenzi's a guy that I want. I really want, want to see what he can do as a kick returner. Uh, next up, Swag Team 17. How confident are you that Notre Dame will get the safety position sorted out, or is this going to be a fluid situation for most of the season? I, You know, I'm, I'm way more confident now because it's second time through with these guys, and there's more competition. Um, you know, and there's, yeah, I mean, I love what Houston Griffith has shown. I don't have a lot of confidence in Devin Studsill or Jalen Elliott. So when they trot Jalen Elliott out there with the first team, I have more confidence I, in Elliott, I think, than Studsill at this point. He's got to be able to tackle, yeah. though, man. I mean, we have to see evidence of him yeah. tackling. It's one thing to, you know, the other day when I, man, I have the toughest time when I start talking about the DB coaches. Terry Joseph, Terry Joseph, Terry <laughs> Joseph. Um, you know when he when he starts saying when he says that Jalen Elliott understands it better than others. I get that because he's got the most experience back there with Coleman. But can he tackle? I mean, we couldn't. But the the Citrus Bowl, he was he couldn't tackle. So, but I, I do have more confidence that Jordan Jim Markeith is a guy that contribute. Houston Griffiths looked really really good. Um. Do you think and Houston get, Griffith could actually make an impact this year at safety? I do, I do. Jack's nodding his head and he, nodding his head and he talked me into it. But no, I think that he, I think that he, he looks to me as an early entry for, uh, freshman. He looks like he so could be a second guy. string to start and yes. then he makes his way in when yeah. as October. Now we didn't mention they, we didn't mention Alohi Gilman and I I say the same thing all the time. I'd like I'd like to see Alohi Gilman make a play with my own eyes. Yeah, have we, I would be with you. Have we seen it? Have uh, you guys just, seen it? I mean, there was maybe one of the four practices, which isn't really the ratio you're looking the for. The one where I, I mentioned one of a few weeks ago. That was where a mental rep that was, was great. A me- yeah, yeah. Where, where you could see the commun- the nonverbal communication between Tranquil and him and bracketing receiver and preventing the throw from even being made. But I'm talking about, I want to see a play where he physically makes yeah. a play on somebody. He had a couple a while ago. He had a great hit on Josh Adams. Adams. I mean, 2016 <laughs> for Navy. Yeah, <laughs> that's a I didn't know who he was. I didn't know who the hell he was. Yeah, but it's like um, that guy just flipped Jeff in. <laughs> and he's a true freshman. Man, yeah. I hope he transfers in Oregon. I I think with Gilman, um, I 
I'm going to keep giving him the benefit of the doubt because the coaches do. I will too, absolutely. You know? yes, yes. The yes. coaches do on in, on the record and on background. And I think with that position, it's as much about the plays that you prevent from ever being made opposed to the plays that you make as an individual. And I think that's probably where Gilman's biggest strengths are. I, I, I totally agree and I get that and I, I assume that that is true. Now, it's kind of interesting... I mean, it sounds like Nick Coleman is becoming more of a nickelback than a safety. I don't know how to read the situation. Uh, I I was trying to write about this today. I think they really have Sean Crawford penciled in to start at the field side safety, so he can't play an entire year playing every snap. Corner, you mean? I'm sorry, corner. Field cornerback. And I think he's the best nickel. He is the best nickel. He's a better nickel than Nick Coleman. Who are we kidding right now? All the football we have watched between Nick Coleman and Sean Crawford – and the plays that Sean Crawford has made versus the plays Nick Coleman has been victimized by, that Sean Crawford will lose the nickel job. There's nobody, there's, better nowhere. In, there's nobody better in the middle of the field where you have to decipher left cut or right cut of a receiver better than Sean Crawford. But if Sean Crawford's going to beat out Pride, which kind of sounds like it's... It, I mean, you would just give it to Crawford as of now, but Pride could win the job. They probably want a guy that can spell Crawford at nickel because you can't play 80 snaps if you're Sean Crawford. Yeah, and I mean, I wonder if some of this is uh, indicative of the rover position where you put a little bit more of a physical player out there, so maybe you can play nickel for 10% more of your yes. snaps because yeah. you're not thrilled with your rover anyway, or there's, at least is a little bit uncertain. So And he's hinted that, saying maybe we have a bigger a player. He's saying he's a bigger yeah. player. That's what, right. what he was pointing. Brian Kelly pointed out he's bigger than Sean Crawford, and you got to be able to cover. Yeah, so I mean, maybe that it's, um, you know, instead of looking at Isaiah Robertson or Usu Koromoa as the rover, you could sort of look at Nick Coleman as the rover it, in it, that. And scenario. obviously it makes sense because he's a converted cornerback. So he should be, he yeah, should be a safety can, that, yeah. that, that defends better than, you know, just normal safeties. So confidence level is, I am confident it will be fluid, but I think they'll get the job done as opposed to last year where we, every podcast just thought, man, they are not getting the job done back there. Yeah, I mean, I, I would even go drop down to somebody like Devin Stutzels, who I watch in practice now. I think, yeah, he's a pretty good player. Um, whereas I don't think I ever felt that way last last spring. You talking last, about Stutzels? Yeah, I mean, I just I just see him making a play now. Um, whereas I felt like he was always a step slow and couldn't and was struggling to tackle. I'm not saying he's going to be the guy. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm still not. I'm still seeing inconsistency. So sure. I don't. So oh yeah, I mean, making a play. Like, who starts against Michigan? We have to do it on the record now. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Readjusted on the record. It's been Gilman and Elliot all spring, so That's I don't know I why say. that would change. That's what I think, too. Yeah, I guess so. I just, uh, we'll see. I mean, we you know, we only see, we get a snapshot of everything, so uh, we don't know. And that's why it'll be, we have two more weeks to, to watch that situation. Now, and Coach whole Joseph summer spectra- spectra- did say Gilman and Elliot get the defense the best in the safety position, right? He did, Yes. That's yeah, important. He did, and that's yes, that's very important. Uh, he was a great interview. That was a fun story to write. He was a great interview. Irish Grizz fifty three. Given the ever changing struggles to recruit pass rushers and the depth of tight end, any chance Tommy Tremble gets a look at DN, especially since Michigan pursued him as a DN. You know, my initial reaction was like, no, save this question for spring of twenty nineteen. You start writing down names and make a list of who's hurt. And- and what the injuries are, like what the recruiting board looks like, and you could easily make the argument for yes. Um, so this is this is something that I, I think the staff would have to consider if Wisher comes all the way back and is healthy, writes all the way back, commits, but like Comet and Mac are here, 
you know, Takis, I guess, is available as your fifth guy. Um, look, you've got the athletic ability of your defensive ends is up for debate, I guess. You know, you can think about who who you are there with, um, you know, Kareem, Hayes, and Okwara, I think, are quite good. But beyond that, um, and especially who you, you lose after the 2019 season... You're gonna need somebody to step up, and it, they Kareem just Hayes and Aquara. Look, they, <laughs> they have just not recruited that position all that well. So Tremble could be part yeah, of that solution. I, frankly, with all the <laughs> film that I ultimately end up watching of these guys, I don't, I didn't see a ton of Tremble defensive end, so I don't have a real strong opinion on that. He's awfully mobile at tight end, is. Um, and a guy that I really think could 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 torture teams up the seam at, at tight end, but. Um, He's certainly athletic. I, you know, he's certainly athletic enough to to be a guy that could could help you at defensive end. I mean, I think you just look at it for what position are they going to recruit better in twenty nineteen? That's my thought. Defensive end or tight end, and it's almost certainly right. going That's to good be point. tight end. That's a good point. It's more likely that he will move to tight end than Chase Claypool, the uh, freshman wide receiver, is going to move to defensive end. Excuse me, defensive end than Chase Claypool, because that was the last guy that had all the physical ability to play that position. All right, we had a handful of Twitter questions to wrap up. First, Boneworm1. And he he notes that defensive line was the most surprising position group of 2017. Who would you peg as the most surprising position group in advance for 2018? I mean, I guess safety. Yeah. I don't think any. I don't think the others. I expect the tight ends to be good. Well, the two options are safety and wide receiver, and I have a little more faith because of the synergy of the wide receiver position with another position to be good. It's not up to the wide receivers if they're good only. It's up to the person throwing right. the football too. So I would say safety. Um, if you could include Mac as kind of a wide receiver, it gives them another option there where you're going. Mean, he would prefer that. He, he would did. prefer that. That's right. I'm going to yeah. do. A, I'm going to do him a service here. I would say safety because wide receivers dependent on the quarterback. I, you know, what else I mean, is a position that's well defensive end. I mean, where you where you've got guys that are actually you know racking up some sacks, uh, but that's more of a wish than a you know. Yeah. I mean, that's more of a you're you're hopeful that that uh, transpires, um, and it could. I mean, you know, I talked about him a little bit ago. I mean, Julian O'Quarr is a guy that can rush a passer, whether it's two thirty or not. You know, we get that. We expect Dalen Hayes to be better. Uh, Ogundeji looks really, really good yeah. on the hoof. He looks like a guy that could end up being that kind of... Plus, they talk about how strong he is, which is great to hear, because you just look at him as a long athlete. But to hear that he is weight room strong, and now it's starting to translate to football, that's and, the best thing you could hear about yeah, and Yeah, and that was what Brian Kelly said about Julian O'Quara last year. So even down 10 pounds, that should he should still be... Adept as a pass rusher, I guess I'm kind of you know hoping that that's that's something that they can kind of count on a little bit more from game to game. I'm going to go offensive line. I think that I think the group will be better than people expect. I don't know if people expect it to be good. I think it will be like good plus. All right, uh, next up, Ryan Maktar, and he says that ESPN recently came out with some of its preseason rankings. Their FPI has Notre Dame as the fifth best team in the country, likely to finish 10 and two in the third best defense. Can you explain any of those three rankings? <laughs> I, <laughs> so we'll get answering to that last question. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't think my wiring allows me to be that optimistic here in April. 10 and two is just a lot to say. Or all the, I mean, 10, 10 and two, 10 and two. Was he so, third? That would happen two times, right? And well, that well, three. 
Not well, and during the regular season, season yeah. So, yeah, that would be three double-digit winning seasons in four years. Whew. Yeah, I mean, they haven't gone back-to-back 10-win seasons since 92-93, I believe. <laughs> that's, a, that's ridiculous. You're saying there's a chance. <laughs> yeah, it's going to happen eventually. Uh, so, number five team in the country, 10-2 and two in third best defense. The third best defense thing, that just comes from they're talking about that's players. That's absurd. That's just guys coming back, right? Yeah. Ten guys are back. Well, it's nine now. It's nine now. <laughs> it's nine no, starters now. Tim, he definitely wasn't going to start for Notre Dame. Well, be that as it may. Those things are decided. I mean, Colin Kareem did not start a game last year. So, ten and two. They have five toss-ups, right? Complete total toss-ups. USC, Stanford, Florida State, Michigan, and Virginia Tech. And I list Michigan because it's listed as a toss-up. Pick them. So that's the, By definition. That's the spread. Those are five total toss-ups, right? Yeah, but don't you think when, when people are making these lists in March and April, they're not looking at the schedule? I would think a uh, computer program did, though, to make them the 10 and 2, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, this isn't just, yeah, this isn't a human what are the, uh, okay. ranking. I know we're going to go over this 100 times, but there's like four, there's three guaranteed, quote unquote, guaranteed wins, five toss ups, and four hard, four games that could, something could go wrong, right? Does the computer take into account that Navy. you lost your defensive coordinator to Texas A&M? And I, and I have I have a lot of confidence in Clark Lee without ever having seen him call a defense before. I think we all feel really good about the the person, the human being that's going to be running the defense. But, yes, but right. he oh, hasn't yeah. done it. He hasn't seen a third and ten. So, so his first his first year as a defensive coordinator is going to have the third best defense in the country. That's the one that's a little... That's just strange to me. Third best. If you said top 20 defense, top 15 team, and 9-3, and three, I'd, I would have thought, I'd yeah, buy into that completely, yeah. yeah. I'd say among those three, 10-2, I'll buy it. Number five in the country, less so. And number three defense just doesn't make any sense at all. Plus 10-2 is not the number five team in the country usually, right? Uh, I guess it could be. That's right outside the playoff, yeah. I mean, considering their schedule. All right, I'm going to throw in a bonus question here. Brian Simmons wants to know, in light of Irish... National championship appearance in hockey and title in women's basketball. What is more likely to happen in the next five years? A national title in football or men's basketball? Football. I agree. You know, I mean, I, I would I would have said that immediately pre-playoff system. It makes it a little bit uh, uh, difficult true. to do that now. Uh, a national title in men's basketball? Uh, you know, I, I I would still I would still stick with football. Yeah, I mean Loyola was in the Final Four. Yeah, I know. Yeah, um, but what would have happened? They lost pretty handily. And what would have happened had they been in that final game against Villanova? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's just, other teams out there though. It's I like, think, like could, could Notre Dame and Michigan like if Michigan can do it, Notre Dame can do it. Yeah, Notre Dame had a chance. I think, I think Beeline, Beeline, Beeline and Bray are like in a, a similar group of like these are just really good college. Yeah, coaches. and it's you know Loyola avoided. Virginia and Arizona. Yeah. So I mean, so that can I mean, certainly sure. that can happen to a Notre Dame team in a bracket. And, and Notre Dame avoided Kentucky. They had been in the Final Four that year, but they lost. I mean, Notre Dame was the fourth best team in the country that year. Duke, yes. Kentucky, Wisconsin, and Notre Dame. Yes. They were. They granted to Kentucky, yeah. and they lost by a point. But I said football for a specific reason, actually, because Notre Dame has had some pretty bad luck in basketball on the injury front, and they have to overcome it. DJ Harvey is going to not be as effective as a sophomore as everybody projected. Yeah. Hub is going to be 11 months removed from ACL surgery, which is a good surgery to have these days, but that doesn't help your freshman year and the progress you make going into your 
Yeah, I'm de- into your freshman year. Definitely more concerned about Harvey than than Hub. Hub. Yeah, but he won't be quite as. I mean, it would be great if Prentice Hub was not hurt right now, or was not hurt in November and having surgery. Yeah, it's, it's but just, he's, he's I mean, you know, when you're 170 pounds or whatever he probably is, you, I mean, I, I have complete confidence he'll bounce back and he'll be ready for the season. And then I just I, I know I heard. As recently as this morning, I heard something good about Durham, and he's added 15 pounds of strength, but he's also got to make it through a couple of practices, yeah. or, I mean, two months at that at that stature in the ACC. I think the, the, the time window of this question is relevant, because I think if you had asked this question five years ago when Demetrius Jackson was coming in with August as, as freshman, right. you would have said basketball. Oh, if you'd asked it three years ago, you would have said yeah. basketball. Well, right. and, but, I mean, they, they were Mike Bray just close. Said, yeah, but Mike Bray just signed... In, on yeah, paper, it's a really good class. Better class. I'm just, the the Harvey. I don't want to get down on DJ Harvey too much here, but this this is a this is a challenging situation for DJ Harvey right now. He's he's not going to be the player next year. I guess they're going to win the national title next year anyway. But he has to come back from the surgery. He could very well redshirt next year. I mean, I think yeah. that that's that's on the board. No, right it really, now. it really is. Yeah. It's, well, when football wins a national championship, we'll say, see, there it's <laughs> Replay this audio. You know, I never really talk yeah, about the, uh, I never really think about the playoff. People bring that up to me. It's a great, it's a great point. That that playoff doesn't Notre Dame almost, Notre Dame almost yeah. played Kansas State in 2012 yeah. for the national title. You can't do that anymore. No, I agree. Yeah. I agree. The playoff makes it harder for, for football to win. Um, whereas the NCAA tournament, they got, they've got close before. Could happen, but I I just think football is set up to win a title. Up. Says Pete Sampson and Jim yes. Malley right here. <laughs> Next five, five years. years. <laughs> Yikes. Okay. That's it for this week's Irish Illustrated Insider. Uh, we'll be back next Monday. Uh, we'll get another open practice on Saturday and uh, a little bit of access to players and coaches as well. So until next Monday, Pete Sampson, Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.